This week on the Recruitment Flex, we recorded on Canadian Thanksgiving Day as Shelley traveled to New York City for Indeed's future work. So we cover beware of the imposter interview. The height of wokeism is universities in England banning oil and gas companies from participating in their career fairs. And some help from Canadian government as they expand student visas work eligibilities. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelley. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelley. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge, joined by my lovely co-host Shelly. We're recording on Thanksgiving Day here in Canada. So happy Thanksgiving to you, Shelly. Thank you. And happy Thanksgiving to you too. Now, is your family tradition turkey or ham? What do you Usually guys have it's on turkey. Yeah. How about yourself? Turkey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you have any type of event? I'm assuming you had 300 yeah. people show no. up with like... No, no, no. Just family. My son has a new girlfriend, my oldest Ooh. son. Okay. She's beautiful. Very beautiful. And he said, oh, can Jill come for Thanksgiving? Of course, grandma and grandpa haven't met her yet. So they were like giggling, giggling. So excited to meet this new girlfriend. And I've got an 18-pound turkey. He tells me the day of that she's not coming. She's going to go over to her grandma's. And I'm like, okay. So I did feed half the neighborhood. I said to my son, like, bring your roommates over. My mom had one of the ladies in her building who doesn't have family brought her. So yes, I was able to feed a few people. Do you know what I did? What? I ordered Swiss Chalet's Thanksgiving dinner special. Is it turkey or chicken? It's chicken. Yeah. Still in the poultry family. (laughs) Exactly. But you get all the stuff in, you get the pie, you get all of it included because with three little kids, it was amazing. It was so good. And for people listening outside of Canada, Swiss Chalet is kind of a Canadian icon in some ways. I don't know how to describe it, but Swiss Chalet is the bomb, right? Like my favorite place to eat when I was a kid. It's the Swiss Chalet sauce that you dip your chicken into. Yes. Not gravy. How would you describe the Swiss Chalet sauce? It's sharp and sweet. I dip everything in it. But my wife hates Swiss Chalet sauce for some reason. I'm like, that's the best part of it. Think about how much it takes to cook everything, right? And by the time you cook everything is the girls take one bite and they're like, I'm done. And then you're like, (laughs) oh my God. So instead of cooking for six hours, let's just go and do the Swiss chalet thing that I think it cost us 50 bucks for the family and took no time to cook and no cleanup. Oh my God. So it was really good. That makes sense. When you've got little ones, you're right. Like the turkey itself was 60 bucks. Yes. But it was 18 pounds. I think I got a really good deal because I was hearing people saying that prices had doubled on fresh turkeys. I started cooking at nine o'clock in the morning. And if I added up like my hours to put it all together it was about four and a half five hours but i can see you quite enjoying that because you are very much my kitchen and you love i love my kitchen yes like feeding people that's just your style so i'm glad you you. had a really yes it absolutely is but we are recording earlier this week because you are leaving for new york city tomorrow tomorrow to go to indeed's future works conference i'm sure you're very excited so by the time this airs you will be on the way back it depends if ryan and i hit it off the way i'm pretty sure we're going to 
I may never come back. I'm just saying, search. Like Blake Lively's kind of, you know, yawn. He likes blondes. Yes. You're Canadian. Yes. I think he lives in Vancouver. Yeah. So for people listening that, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Ryan. So Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds. Yes. is the keynote speaker. And mm-hmm. obviously Shelly has a big crush on Ryan Reynolds. Like who doesn't? Exactly. So very excited. But anything yes. in New York City that you really want to do that you're going to go see? Yeah. What's, what's the plan? When's the last time you've been to New York City? This is my first time. Sir. You've I've never, never been? been? I've never oh been. And the God. hotel that I'm in is right in Times Square. Okay, uh, Which one which is it? I'm staying at the Marriott Times Square. I've stayed right in Times Squares in the nicest hotel I think I've ever stayed. Actually, when I worked at Indeed, because their head office is one block from Times Square. It's right around the corner. And it was so nice, but you needed like blackout currents and noise and everything was intense because it's obviously quite loud right on Times Square. But you're close to everything. There's quite a bit of entertainment, especially the first time that you're going. I think it will be really entertaining for you so i'll be sure you'll have fun i have a a girlfriend that lives there so she's going to come and meet me and she's going to take me down to the garment district like i don't want gucci or eve saint laurent or i don't want big dior designer stuff right i want a local new york designer that is doing something like appropriate for me yeah, what's that street that they sell all basically knockoffs? Knockoffs, yeah. Yeah, no, I won't be going around there. <laughs> Thanks, anyways. You unless you want me to grab you a knockoff Gucci belt or something. Well, I hate any type of brand names anyway. So knockoff or real, it's yeah. just not my vibe. So yeah, no worries about that. Yeah, okay. Okay. We're good. We're Shelly, good. Shelly, one of the things before yeah. we jump into recruitment insights that I've been noticing is HR people are people in the industry starting job boards. And one way I get it, because what you're trying to do is a two-way marketplace. So if you have companies that you work with and you have people that follow you while you're thinking, let's connect everyone, let's create a job board. But what I don't think they realize is how difficult it is to scale a job board. It's very easy to start. There's job board softwares out of the box that you pay $4.99, $6.99 a month. Really? And boom, you just go in and customize the software. Then you start loading jobs in whatever way you want and you have a job board. So everyone's taking that thinking, well, I'm going to put a job board out. I'm going to make a duration-based posting and it's just going to scale up really quickly. Initially, there's some excitement, but then it dies down. It's like, I know about work, so I'm going to start a job board without understanding the complexity and how expensive it is to buy traffic. But there is the exception, right? We are in need of niche job boards. So if you're coming in, start a job board in a very specific niche and you're able to attract the audience, good for you because I think they're needed. Where have you seen this work well? Where you've got the niche job boards? Because I was just doing some research for a client and she was like, explain to me why Indeed owns the Canadian marketplace. And so I messaged our friend, the job board doctor. I said, why is that? How many job boards are there in America? He said, there's over 5,000. Yeah. Do you know how many there are in Canada? He said, last count, there's about 70 in all of Canada. I know you're friends with the organization who does the niche job boards for not-for-profits that are helping people with workforce barriers and so on. But is there anywhere where this works well? 
where they can get traffic because they've got a community. Well, it's proven in the past that this has worked well in, in several areas. Like Dice was basically built off niche job boards in the US. And very similar in Canada, Workopolis had a massive niche network of job they boards did. that they manage. And they were heavily focused in skill sets. They were attached to CPA. So they chartered a professional accountants. Okay, and you yeah. had the engineering groups. I've seen it do really well in law. So either looking for legal assistance or lawyers, there's a couple of job boards even here in Canada that do really well, but it has to be, in my opinion, very specific niche that has some type of credential attached to it as well. Yeah. The CPA or the CA Society of Alberta, they had a good job board. I also think about the Human Resource Association here in Calgary. They always had a job board, but you had to be a member to see what jobs were being advertised. And then during COVID, a lot of people dropped their memberships because their employers were cutting back or whatever. I've always felt like they were shooting themselves in the foot because they only let members only see it. Yeah, I think it definitely limits, but it's a very targeted audience. What happens with a lot of job boards is they think if we build it, automatically job seekers are going to come, but they don't understand how expensive it is to buy traffic, right? To be able to rank on Google where most job seekers start their journey. If you're not ranking high, you got to find other ways to gather that traffic. And it's almost impossible in most markets, at least in Canada, to get any type of SEO ranking on a job board because Indeed owns it all, right? If your job board starts to get any traction at all, Indeed's buying your keywords and they're bidding on it. Same for ZipRecruiter. You start getting success, you start ranking, and suddenly Indeed comes in and will buy those keywords. Not only Indeed, but this has been happening for decades in the job board space. To be able to sustain a job board in the long term and actually scale it and make it grow, you need millions of dollars. And there's a reason why most job boards have been successful. Indeed, the perfect example, they went 10 to 15 years with absolutely no monetization. All they did was grow traffic before they started going to their clients. Before you start a job board, start focusing on getting the job seekers first. And then it's a lot easier to go to a company and be like, hey, I'll charge you $4.95 because I have this much traffic. Charging someone and you have six unique visitors a month, it's not a good business. Um, And who's going to pay you to post their job when you have six or even if you had 6,000 unique visitors? Who's going to pay you? For a job board to be successful, they need to build a community. That's expensive. That's very expensive. When they say community, it's not about you just putting messages. There's actual conversations that are happening on your hub or your job board or wherever you want to call it. You've hit a sweet spot. But anyways, I want to move into a recruitment insights of the week. And the first one we've touched a couple of times is the rise of the fake interviews. What do I mean by fake interviews, Shelly? Well, this has really grown in the last couple of years as we've seen a lot more interviews being over Zoom or Mm -hmm. video, right? And there's people that are going out there and hiring people to stand into their interviews, especially for roles that they are either underqualified or not qualified at all. But this is the opportunity for them thinking, if I can get in, I'll just Google the shit and figure it out as I go. How and hard be, could it be? Yeah, it'll be could great. Be a paramedic. <laughs> it's been shocking because I've heard stories and you've heard stories of our I've, networks of this happening. And I've experienced well. it firsthand. And I know you have too. 
This has been called a couple of things. It's been called the bait and switch, the proxy interview, the fake candidate scam, the job interview fraud. But basically what it is, you're hiring someone to do the interview. You get the job on your first day, you show up and you're hoping that people didn't realize. And there's a couple of tips in there that people have been putting. It's like putting a little piece of tape over the camera. So the vision looks blurred when you show up, you're like, no, that was me. I was just having difficulties with my camera. I've seen actually business built around this. There's contractors on Upwork and Fiverr that this is their whole gig. You hire me to do your interviews. They charge quite a bit, right? Well, I say quite a bit. It's actually not that much. It's around $150 to $200 an hour to, first of all, prep for the interviews and do the interviews itself. This has been more prevalent in the IT software space than it's been in anything else because most of that work is done remotely. Most of that work is sometimes done off camera as well. I want to give you an example of how this could potentially be dangerous. In the story from Business Insider, this hospital team explained the last person to land a job turned out to be a fraud. The candidate had used a proxy who interviewed well and demonstrated a required expertise. But when the candidate was hired and appeared for his first day, he started having trouble with basic technical issues. Things came to a head when the new hire was attempting to perform some basic maintenance and wound up causing an hour-long connectivity outage for every medical device and computer on an entire floor. The doctors were unable to remotely monitor patients' vital signs. So instead of trying to fix a problem, he simply got up and left the building. He was promptly fired. So I'm sure this has happened multiple times, right? The one thing of this whole story and the reason this happens, and I don't think you can point to any other single factor other than the pressure to hire quickly, or they just let it drag. And when finally it got to mission critical, as in we need to hire somebody to help maintain hospital equipment, that's kind of the most extreme story is when it could potentially result in harm to people. How do you avoid this, Shelley? Well, if anybody who's listening to our show on a regular basis, (laughs) we talk about starting with a good job intake, being realistic about the market, have a good process, follow the steps, don't skip steps. What they're counting on is that you guys are either in such a rush to hire, or there's way too many people involved. Like they're counting on the fact that you're disorganized. Can I throw another wrench in this process? So what's been happening too is the deep fake. There's computer generated images that I could do an interview as you, Shelly. Basically the image in front of me is you. Uh And that is a major problem too, because the face, everything looks the same, right? So you interview them, you look at their LinkedIn profiles, first day, they look exactly the same. It was funny because on Recruiting Brain Food, they actually had an article, How to Spot Deepfake AI. And basically you ask the candidate to move to the side and you're going to see a completely different profile if it is a deep fake. I think that's very rare that happens, but it does happen. I don't know if you've seen the videos of Tom Cruise on the internet where this guy has a deep fake of Tom Cruise and he looks exactly the same everywhere he goes in the videos. It's pretty fascinating. So if there's any doubt 
you got to put steps in place that this person is not starting on the first day. Or even if they do start on the first day, you have doubts, you need to pull that person aside right away and figure out exactly what's happening. But it's a tricky situation. Do you want to accuse someone of being not who they are? So do you know the other thing about this story, Serge? Like, honest to God, you'd have to be so desperate that when you've got a new hire, their first day on the job, you would even let them touch anything on your system. You know, I mean, this story goes on to say that the the entire floor of a hospital was shut down, that doctors couldn't monitor patients' vitals. Why? Who in their right mind would allow somebody on day one as a new hire to touch any of that shit? There's no training, no orientation. No, no. Here's the hospital floor, computer equipment, we're going to have you support. You know what? They're idiots. Seriously? I agree with that. One of the things I think relates directly with it is people doing multiple jobs at once. So having multiple full-time jobs. And this has become quite common. I've read several articles that people giving examples of how they're doing it. And part of it is sometimes they're hiring people to do interviews for their second and third job and basically running it like a contractor network where they're having someone interview then potentially contracting some of that work to that person that did the interview or someone else that they're outsourcing in a Mm -hmm. different country, which I think is absolutely fascinating. People actually doing multiple jobs, full-time jobs, without the companies being aware and getting away with it for years in some cases. I think you had an example of that. Yeah, no, I do know somebody personally who did that, and they didn't know about each other. You know what it reminds me of is people who can carry on multiple relationships. If you've ever heard those stories of someone who's got four or five wives and the wives don't know about each other, like that's talent, don't you think? It's very talented. It's the same thing. I remember one time this person that I know for sure, they absolutely did this. They were saying that there was only a few times where a meeting was booked like simultaneously and they just had two phones going and just hoped that they wouldn't ask them a question at the same time. And that's how they managed it, right? I can see it's it the happening. same thing especially... as having multiple girlfriends or boyfriends. If yeah. you can pull that off and they don't know about each other, a little different than if you take on a job and say, listen, I can do 24 or 30 hours a week. And then to the other job, I can do 40 hours or I can give you five hours a week. That's being transparent, right? That rarely will get you in trouble. No, if you can be transparent with it, but a lot of employers would not accept that, right? That you're working multiple full-time jobs in the same time zone. How are you splitting that? I know some people that are so efficient in their work and so much faster than someone else that they literally could have the same output as most employees working two full-time jobs. So I'm not surprised. I think if you can get away with it, I have no issues with it. I do have an issues if you're faking it, like you're hiring someone else to do the interview, anything like that, you're breaking the law. But if you can go through two interviews, get two jobs and be able to execute on those two jobs, I think it's brilliant. If I was like 26 and I had no kids, no family, I would do that in a heartbeat. I want to jump into the next recruitment insight and Mm -hmm. really want to get your thoughts around it. I was reading an article from the London Guardian 
about a new policy at Birkbeck University of London. They state that the career services will not hold relationships of any kind with oil, gas, or mining companies. This decision follows a campaign supported by the student-led group People and Planet to cut off recruitment pathways to fossil fuel companies. Oil and gas companies and mining companies cannot attend any of their career fairs. They cannot advertise any of their jobs to the students. I want to jump into what you think about this first. I think all of us might have thought the day would come because you would have to be living under a rock to not know the push around the world to reduce hydrocarbon emissions. The belief that if we continue at this pace, basically we're killing ourselves or we're killing our children's futures. I knew this day would come. I just didn't think it'd be so soon. You know, this is taking a step to choke off any sort of talent being fed into oil and gas companies. And, you know, in our part of the world, it's been what has sustained this economy for the last 90 years, right? Is fossil fuel. Yes, I think this is the height of wokeism. Wokeism. <laughs> wokeism. New word. Yeah, new, new word. New word, everybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not in the dictionary, but what... I think this is a lot of students that really care about the planet. Good for them. We're all in a place that we need to take care of the planet. But big but here is the university stepping in and saying, we're not going to allow companies that do oil and gas or mining to be in front of our students is reprehensible. I think it doesn't make any sense. We are heavily reliant on oil and gas. And how do you fix it? Fixing it from the inside is way better than being on the outside and just completely ignoring oil and gas. Because believe it or not, most of our transportation is still oil and gas, and it will be for a really long time. And then you talk about mining. So are we going to ban Tesla? Are we going to ban all these companies that are electric cars? Where do you think we get the material to do the batteries? It's by mining. So to me, this is taking a perceived enemy, which is oil and gas, and not have them. Let's make the decision for everyone. That oil and gas should not be at our career fairs. Is that how every student is feeling? Let's just ban them. Let's just ban everyone. I think it's the height of cancel culture. I am pretty irate about this approach that they're going to take because they're fucking themselves. Wow. Tell us how you really feel, Serge. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I don't think I get that whipped up about it. It's only one university and I... Don't know how big Burbeck University of London is. Not surprising because I think there's pockets of very on-trend Greta Thornburg. This is a crisis and you're killing me. And I do believe there are subgroups of people that are just like that. They want to prove that we're doing something. Our effective would be to invest in innovation and solutions rather than banning because those organizations may very well hold the key or hold the answer to innovation to 100%. make hundred percent just like you said change it from the inside but to ban them it's almost like a, a shaming sort of culture like you're not allowed in here yeah uh, they're not really solving the problem i agree 
I agree. So speaking of university students, I think we're in a bit of a role here. There was an announcement from CTV News talking about how finally they're going to allow international students to work off campus. Think about all the university students that come here to go to school that could be part of our workforce. As you know, Parker's over in Germany. He is allowed to get jobs like food service or work as a barista or work in a pub. He has very specific employment that he can have while he's in Germany. And we're just coming around to this now. There's a pilot study that apparently is going to run from November 15th to December 31st of next year that will allow international students to have off-campus work authorization on their study permit. What do you think? It's about fucking time. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think this is long overdue. And if you look at it, there is 500,000 potential students. So say we get half. So Mm -hmm. say Mm 250,000 decide that they're going to work off campus. That fixes a lot, right? Like it fixes a lot in markets that were struggling heavily. And these are people that are more than willing to work. They're very dedicated in getting their schooling here in Canada. Like it just makes a hundred percent sense. Like I, I don't know why anyone would disagree with this approach because we need workers and these people are willing to work. We're not taking any jobs. There's no risk. Yeah, seriously. Any way to anyone except the people that have obviously protectionist views of how it used to be in the old days. So let's just do it. Uh, let's keep a close eye, but I think this makes complete sense. Yeah. It's hard to believe that they had this 20 hour per week cap. If you have a study permit, no matter what country you're coming from to go to school here in Canada, you had to reach a certain academic level in terms of traditional classes. Like you have to have a certain mathematics level, right? So these are not people that, that dropped out of school because they couldn't figure out how to do grade 10 math, right? No. This is an educated workforce. They're young. And like we were just saying, gosh, I always had two jobs when I was in my 20s. And the other benefit is the more they work while they're at school, when they finish school and they go into workforce, the more experience they have, which is one of the complaints that a lot of employers will say, well, you have no Canadian experience, which is bullshit, but we'll talk about that a different episode. But it actually gives them Canadian experience. So the transition from university or college life into the world of work is definitely a lot smoother the more hours they've worked. And it's helping a lot of employers. It's helping the society in general getting better service than we are right now because most places here in Canada are still short staff. If you've spent any time in the malls or even mm-hmm. Tim Horns, I was at Tim Horns this morning. It was one person working and probably a lineup of 20. So still a challenge that we're seeing across the board. So I'm glad the government yeah. is doing this. I'm glad that there is going to be more discussions around this because we do need the workforce in the market. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the belief was that if you are going to school, then you should focus just on your studies. And so you couldn't work more than 20 hours a week. So good news that they're actually going to give this a whirl. Shelly, you're yes. off to New York. I am. We've got a bunch of interviews coming up as well from HR Tech. We're going through that list. We have some exciting guests that I'll be announcing shortly as well. Some of our most 
listen to guests are coming back on the show very soon. So, and we've got a ton of stuff that we're doing with the recruitment flex and the branding, but we'll talk about that more in depth as we get closer. Shelly, yes. enjoy your trip Thank to you. New York City. Can't believe it's your first time. I know. And I so wish that you were coming with me because we travel very well together and you're a lot of fun to travel with. But I'll report back. Yes, I'll miss you, but we'll stay in touch. I'm sure you will. I'll report back. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.